0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Dally. Our guest this week is Minnesota 7th District Representative, Colin Peterson. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse open mic continues with Congressman Colin Peterson next. open mic. The two-year effort to deliver a new farm bill was completed in the lame duck session of Congress. No Democrat voted for the original language of the bill, either in committee or the full chamber. But in the end, House Ag ranking member Colin Peterson says more Democrats voted for the bill than did members of the majority. Peterson will chair the committee in the new Congress and says the final language is the best they could afford, but recognizes the bill could still leave some farmers vulnerable.
1: If this low-price situation drags on for another year or two, then we're going to have people in trouble. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen. We, we addressed the sector that had the most problem, and that is the dairy sector. And uh, they now have a safety net that is going to work for them, for the small guys. And that was my, one of my main goals in this whole process was because uh, we were losing dairy farmers like crazy the last few months. Hopefully, this will stop that.
0: You had bipartisan and bicameral support for this legislation on the final vote. Why would you say it had so much support?
1: I think probably the main reason was because they took the food stamp provisions out. We only had three Democrats vote against the bill in the House. That's never happened. And we had more Democrats vote for the bill than Republicans, even though they have more members. The last bill that got a big vote was the bill I passed in oh8 which... Uh, I think we had 319 votes in that bill. In that case, we didn't have anywhere near as many um, Democrats. So the fact that we took out the biggest stumbling block for mostly for Democrats caused them to come on board when maybe they wouldn't have otherwise.
0: Do you think the midterm election had an effect on the final negotiations?
1: Uh, you'd have to ask the chairman you know uh, I mean I had been telling him for six months that the Senate was not going to do the food stamp stuff. Uh, he kept insisting. You know, at one point I told him after the election, I said, "If if you don't recognize what's going on here, I said uh, this isn't going to get done." When we were running out of time, and I said, uh, "You know, I want you to be successful. I want to help you get this bill done." But uh, you know, I'm just telling you that's that's not going to fly. And it took them a while. They finally figured that out, and then once that happened, uh, and everything's all in place.
0: There were still some nutrition aspects to the bill and even after its passage now we're seeing some activity by the department of agriculture in tightening standards or at least in and those that can receive waivers
1: well the integrity uh, aspects were in the senate bill and i supported those and you know uh, we we actually could have got some of this waiver stuff done in the bill had they not fixated on the uh, work requirements and i had told the chairman that but uh, you know, what, you know, we'll wait and see what the department ends up doing. Uh, but clearly a situation where, uh, these waivers were out of control when you got the whole state of California, Illinois, Louisiana, I don't know, we have seven or eight states where the whole state was waived. Uh, that clearly is not acceptable. And so it, it, some tightening up is, uh, is probably a good idea. It, it kind of depends on on what they end up doing, whether how, my, how I react to it.
0: Funding is always a challenge for a farm bill, but you started this one with almost 40 programs unfunded and a pretty big ask from different segments of the industry. How did you wind up finding enough money to pay for it?
1: Cushion of credit. Give credit to the Senate for finding this because I didn't know this existed. Uh, Frank Lucas didn't know. Uh, Conaway didn't know. The Senate found this. Now, this goes back to 87, and I still haven't been able to find out why this was set up when it was. But for whatever reason, they set up this uh, system where RE, the Rural Electrics, could put money into this so-called cushion of credit, and then that money was to be used to pay back their RUS loans. And when they put it into this cushion of credit, they set at the time a 5% interest rate, because at the time, I think, interest rates were about 9%. You know, I guess the idea was that the money was in there and it would made it more certain that they were going to pay the loans back, I guess. But what ended up happening with the um, low interest rate environment that we've had here, uh, they had figured out here a few years ago that if they put money into this cushion of credit at 1% interest, uh, and then they got 5%, they could arbitrage this and make significant money. And so that's what they were doing. They started doing what Wall Street does. You know, I don't know that anybody at the time in 1987 figured that uh, people were going to arbitrage this and make a bunch of money. So, you know, we closed that situation. They can still use it if they want to, but they're not going to make the spread of the interest rates. It was something that, frankly, shouldn't have been going on, and, and uh, it was two and two and a half billion dollars. And so that money was is what was utilized to fund these so-called orphan programs and you know make guaranteed funding and i want to commend the rural electrics and, and those and the telephones for not making too much fuss about it we did listen to them in terms of uh, some ideas about how to make this transition a little easier we did those but uh, they contributed significantly to getting this farm bill done and i think they should get credit for that
0: Congressman, between the Senate and the House Ag Committees, you covered a lot of territory and listened to a lot of farmers for input on this bill. There were some changes that you wanted to make in the Conservation Reserve Program, and also some changes that Senator Thune wanted to make. It turns out you both got what you were looking for.
1: Yeah, well, and that was a, a positive thing. You know, there are still some changes in the conservation area that I would have liked to have done, but I was not able to get the Senate to go along with it. But uh, getting the uh, acreage up in CRP, uh, also changing uh, or putting uh, prohibitions on paying too much for it, which we've been doing, and trying to get away from uh, all of the acres going into continuous and uh, going back to general sign-ups. So all those things are all positive, as well as the short-term program. so... Um, You know, it was like everything else, it wasn't perfect, but uh, we did make some progress in that area.
0: If you cap the payout, will that limit or will that uh, lessen some of the interest for some with regard to signing up for the program?
1: Uh, Well, we'll see. I assume it will. But the purpose of this is to make sure that good farmland is not put into the CRP. And so we've now limited on the general 85% of the rental rate, so I can guarantee you that people are not going to put good farmland into this program. And that is what we intended, you know, from the start. But the way this thing got rolled out over the years, uh, we were paying 200, 250% of the rental value in a county for some of this land, uh, under the uh, guys that were more politically correct or environmentally correct or you know, whatever. And so we're paying more money, you know, and this department was unable to limit this there wasn't a way for them to or at least they couldn't uh, get this right through regulations so that the good land stayed out and the bad land went in uh, so I just figured a better way to do this was have market forces, uh by limiting what we pay and so that'll just automatically the market will uh, I think automatically have the the less desirable land the more rentable land in the program so We'll see how it works.
0: How did you feel about changes in conservation programs, primarily with Equip and with the CSP?
1: Well, I think it's fine. You know, it uh, it uh, switching from an acreage based program to a fixed contract for CSP is going to be a good thing over the long term. Uh, but we maintain the program, and uh, you know, if uh, um, I think that is acceptable to everybody. Um, uh, You know, we've got some other changes, um, money into the RCPP and and, um, some other things. The one disappointment I had was that I wanted to have some limitation on permanent easements uh, in there, and uh, the Senate would not go along with it.
0: The Senate language was more restrictive with regard to payments and payment limits. The House appeared to be broadening those who might be eligible. The House language made it into the final bill. How do you defend this, and and why was it so important to see the House language? Well, that was the chairman's
1: language. I don't think it was a big deal, and so I didn't object to it. By adding cousins, nieces, and nephews, it scored $4 million a year, $40 million total. So that pencils out to 32 people that are affected by this in the country. So it wasn't a big deal. Uh, for the guys and people that don't like payments, uh, government payments, don't like farmers, it sounds bad. But um, it really didn't amount to much.
0: If you look at the funding of this bill and where the dollars are spent, it's really more of a food bill than it is a farm bill. In the final measure, do you think you've accomplished the changes that really needed to be made from the nutrition aspect?
1: Probably not, because we didn't have a chance to uh, to actually... Look at uh, what the problems were. Uh, we got distracted by uh, this whole uh, work requirement thing, which is, uh, you know, this is this is pushed by this right wing outfit in Florida. That's a bunch of former staffers that are paying themselves two or three hundred thousand dollars a year to go around and sell this. Uh, it sounds good on the surface, you know. Well, we're going to make people work. Uh, you know, if they're going to get help from the government, the problem is. There was no, uh, there was nothing in there that was actually going to help people get to work. Uh, all that was in there was a, a requirement that see, if you're 50 to 60 years old and get laid off, you're going to have to go sit in a room 20 hours a week in front of a computer and, uh, send out resumes and make phone calls. Uh, there's no help in terms of retraining or, anything like that, because the money was not available to do what needed to be done. So the Senate wasn't going to do it. No, the House Democrats weren't going to do it. Now we'll see what the secretary does. Uh, hopefully they'll do the right things, but, you know, we abdicated our chance to do it.
0: I'd seen a news article where you were quoted saying that it's one thing to have the Farm Bill done, but as chair of the House Agriculture Committee, you'd be watching the Department of Agriculture and their implementation. Any particular area that you're more concerned about than another?
1: Not really. Um, you no, know, having gone through this before, and with a different president, obviously. But you know, the, the people that lose out in the legislative process, those same people mm-hmm. go down to the department and lobby the department uh, during the implementation, and a lot of times they're successful there where they weren't successful with us. And sometimes they can change the whole meaning of the, what you were trying to do. Uh, they did that to us on some of the some of the provisions in the O eight bills. So. Um, I think the secretary is, uh, current secretary has is, is paid attention uh, to what we're doing and why we're doing it, and I don't at this point have any indication that he's not going to do anything that doesn't follow legislative intent. But uh, given what happened last time, I'm going to pay attention, and we should. That's part of our job.
0: Having a, a little broader discussion about issues that, that affect the business, talking to some agriculture leaders, they're suggesting that we're glad to have crop insurance, Glad to have Title I, but wondering if the nation doesn't need some sort of a structure to handle these natural disasters where the loss for a farmer might be more than a year. It might even run into a decade as they try to reestablish themselves. Is is there a need for that policy?
1: I don't know. Maybe. You know, it just gets tied into this issue of climate change. And there is going to be pressure on us, on the committee, to try to do something within agriculture, as it relates to climate change. And I'm not sure, I'm not against that, but I'm not sure exactly what it is we could do, but I'm open to looking at it. So that's that's going to come up in this context as well, you know, because some people blame these uh, disasters on climate change. And there's still a debate going on with some people on that. So I don't know. I don't know where you get the money. That's the problem. Uh, you know, they have the CCC in uh, Section 32, so, the, you know, they have... Ability to do some things within the department. Uh, we'd, if we, if we're going to do something, we'd have to come up with the money to pay for it, and that's, I think that would be a problem. Uh, the other thing that has been going on with these disasters, and, and not just agriculture, but we've had people that keep getting paid over and over again. You know, where they're building, rebuilding houses in places where they've lost them three times before, and we're letting them do that. You know, there's some people saying that. Uh, people are growing things in areas where they shouldn't be. Uh, we have some of that debate in crop insurance where they say that, you know, prevented planting is, uh, if you know, people are doing things and uh, planting land that they shouldn't be. So, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, that's a slippery slope to get into all of that, but we are probably going to have to
0: look at it. We're going to have to
1: look at climate change and, and we'll have to see what comes out of it.
0: I suppose the good news of being chairman of the Agriculture Committee in 2019 and, and 20 is you don't have to worry about writing a farm bill. But, Congressman, what else is on the docket that you might bring before the committee?
1: Well, I'm going to have a lot of new members, and I'm going to give my members a lot of responsibility. And the subcommittee chairmen are going to have a lot of responsibility. I'm going to tell them that if they take these subcommittee chairmanships, I expect them to learn the subject matter and become experts in their area and so that's going to take some time. So I'm going to give my folks um, uh some head and I'll let them let them run on this and uh uh so it's going to take some time on their part to get up to speed on some of these issues. Uh oversight, you know, the implementation of the bill. Uh I've already had uh, one member come to me with an issue that uh, he'd like us to look into and so, you know, we will take uh, advice and requests from members on in terms of uh oversight, not only members of the committee, but uh, other members of Congress and other people in the ag community, so we'll have plenty to do, but as of right now, I don't have any burning uh, issues on my plate other than the easements. I am going to use some oversight, or I'm going to expose some things that are going on in this easement stuff that I think are are wrong, and uh, whether I can get the public... uh, behind me or not who knows but uh, i'm going to try to see if, see if i can <laughs> get the information out there anyway
0: you are certainly one of the few in this new congress that has ties to agriculture your district still largely representative of an agricultural base not as many of those as in years gone by will that be a challenge for you not only on agriculture policy but uh rural development and environmental policy
1: i don't know i don't know and we'll we'll see but i uh, so far the people that have come to me that want to be on the committee i think are going to be fine they're smart they're uh, moderate and uh, they're you know they'll they'll learn the issues so i don't you know uh, it's it's a challenge not only on the committee it's a challenge in the whole congress uh and in the country because we have become so distanced from agriculture and the farm uh, that there's so few of us left that represent those kind of districts, it's it's a, just an overall problem. It's not just a problem within the committee. And so maybe maybe um, one of the things we end up looking at is how can we as a committee do a better job of uh, getting the rest of the country to understand what we do, and that's that's a challenge.
0: In the new Congress, obviously the House of Representatives now in Democratic lead that could bring some familiar faces to leadership. Uh, looking at the agenda for the the country, do you see areas that you think the House and the Senate can agree and work toward, or will it be a stalemate into the presidential election?
1: I, you know, we should be able to work together. We've always, you know, when I first came to Congress, uh, we, we did. Uh, it's you know, Newt Gingrich kind of started this polarization, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. But our leadership um, in the discussions that I've had with them, and in what they've said in front of the caucus, is that they intend to focus on uh, the issues that affect Americans: uh, healthcare, infrastructure, uh, you know, the issues that people um, have brought to us during the election, and um, you know, and they want to work with the president, they want to work with the Senate, and so I don't see why this. We couldn't work together, but I you know it's uh, you got um, you got uh, too many people that are in uh, districts where they have no competition from the other party and that's a lot of the problem and so their challenge electorally is is not defeating the other party it's defeating somebody in their own party which pushes people to the left and right and that, that's the biggest problem and it's not it's not really a rural urban thing so much as a party thing um and until we get some more balance in the redistricting i don't know how we get around that but um people got to want to be able to work together i mean it's you could have easily uh you know i could have easily blown up this uh uh farm bill you know yeah, and I worked very hard to to help the chairman become successful and get this thing done. And uh, I had to give up some things I wanted to do to make it happen. And that's that's what you have to do to make this work.
0: Yeah. Inside the Department of Agriculture, Secretary Purdue is looking at taking a couple of agencies and moving them outside the Beltway. Some in favor, and some concerned. Is that an issue that should have come before Congress?
1: Well, he's the secretary, and it's uh, you know he's got uh, the bill to make certain changes within his power. Uh, I personally am not convinced that this is something that needs to be done. Uh, he's apparently bought a lot of people off because he, there's all kinds of people running around thinking they're going to move these agencies to their town or their state or whatever, and so they are going along with it. I'm one that's not really uh i think i'm on the side of the people that are in those agencies who do not want to move and who do not think it's a good idea uh, i just haven't been nobody's convinced me that this is um why we're doing this or why you know that this is going to be uh, such a great thing but you know, he has the ability to do it, and um, I I think maybe the Congress is going to go along with it, so we'll see.
0: Congressman Peterson, uh, soon to be chairman again of the House Agriculture Committee, thanks so much for taking time uh, during a busy schedule to spend with us here on Open Mic. Congressman, it is Open Mic, and you have the last word today.
1: Well, I just wish everybody a very uh, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. You know, we've um, been through a lot in this country uh the only floods and fires and everything else, and so hopefully uh, we can have a good holiday season and everybody's families can get together and and, uh, reflect on the blessings that we have in this country.
0: Our thanks to Minnesota 7th District Representative Colin Peterson, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.